Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Monte and Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Let's go! Vagrancies. Yeah. This is a word that was used throughout the show today, Mark Bickley. No, no, that you I used wanna... it once and I knew it was wrong. No, no, I'm not having a... Hey, just calm down. I'm not having a go at you, mate. Yes, you were. No, absolutely not. I'm saying you wanted to amend the error and I'm supporting oh, you. Oh, good, good. Jeepers. <laughs> Why are you so on edge, mate? No, Grand final week. No, well, you said you used it a number of times. I used it once and it's vagaries is what I was after, which is an unexpected event or change that cannot be controlled and can influence a situation. Was it used a number of times? One. Isn't one a number? <laughs> times is plural. Then I said it after you twice. <laughs> okay. Because well, I went to a hotel in Melbourne and I tried to get in, but they said, sorry, we've got no vagrancies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You feel better now? Vagaries, yeah. Vagaries. My so, advice is just use normal words. Well, no, no. Well, but, but that word is the right context for the bounce because it's an unexpected event that can't be controlled, that can influence a situation. That's the perfect uh, context, but I just didn't get it right. That's all. Just have to be better, Jared. I understand that. So I've got a, a page that I'm looking at now, which is eight English phrases that don't make sense mm-hmm. because you're you're good with words and you would like this. So let's go through them anyway. Um, to sweat like a pig. Pigs don't sweat. Mm, there you go. They have a few sweat glands like other mammals, but their preferred method of cooling down is to find a nice mud bath. It's raining cats and dogs. There's never, ever been a report of cats and dogs raining down from the clouds. Yeah, but, but do you know what that means, though? They used to the, – the the huts that were had a thatched roof. Yes. When they would flood – the um the cats and dogs would climb up into the thatch and then when when the water started seeping through the thatch then the cats and dogs would jump out of the roof so that's, that's why the meaning is raining cats and dogs kick the bucket what does that mean when someone passes away they've kicked the bucket I'm not sure there's a tradition in christianity where a bucket of holy water would be placed at the feet of a dead person we'll probably never know for sure mm. um what else you got the apple of my eye don't know what that means. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I think you can. It's your cake. Do whatever you want with it. <laughs> Once you eat it, it's gone, so you can't have it. Yeah. Yeah, what That's else? That's true. Just got, a, just got a message from the person we were supposed to start interviewing about nine minutes ago. <laughs> the foul, Sorry. Uh, at 30 pre-record said, like, are you still calling me? So we probably should do that. Um it's been a big show today. Sam Edmund, we spoke to about the Brownlow medal, gearing up for the AFL Grand Final on the mark. It's going to be a big week. Lots of calls, lots of text messages. We love it. Enjoy the podcast. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Warm team Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Two minutes past six.
Good morning, Adelaide. Tuesday, the 26th of September, 2023. Green Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. And Mark Bickley, can you smell it? Can you smell it? Yes, good morning. It is grand final week. I'm hoping that's what you're referring to. You haven't dropped anything else. Uh, <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Uh, firstly, congratulations to a couple of people. The Glenelg Football Club got it done in the Sandful grand final, both in the league and the reserve. So well done to them. And, of course, uh, Lockie Neal on his performance last night, winning his second Brownlow medal, which is quite a remarkable achievement. Grand final week is huge. And our grand final day partner on SEN is Cobram Estate. You've got to have a look here in Studio Luma if you're listening on the app. The Cobram Estate, fantastic extra virgin olive oil, um, is beautiful. I tried some of that last night, actually, when I was making dinner for the family. I had wonderful steak last night for Dylan and put some um, olive oil on it. Well played. Thank you so much. Um, you can book your online appointment at uh, alternaleaf.com.au. So tune in from Saturday to have a listen to the grand final. We're going to talk about the footy. We'll talk about Lockie Neal and all that stuff in a moment. How was your weekend? Oh, hectic. Um, did lots of cool things on the weekend, including going to the Sanford Grand Final. Took my two sons down there. Had a great day. It was warm. Found a nice shady spot. The uh, the Eastern Stand was chock-a-block. Great game of footy. Glenelg, probably the deserving winners after, you know, across the whole season. They uh, they finished on top. They got out to a lead. They were challenged. Uh, Sturt, to their credit, just kept coming towards the end. Kicked two goals, eight in the last quarter. Had they kicked a little bit straighter, a little bit earlier. Mm. Could have been game on a little bit uh, more. But in the end, Glenelg, too good. And they've got this remarkable group they've been able to keep together. And, uh, yeah, very talented and played some great footy. What about Sturt, though? Last weekend, mm. under-16s, under-18s, reserves, league. Mm. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what they did do. They got there and they... They put themselves, or they gave themselves the opportunity to win. And the turnaround of that club has been just outstanding. Uh, so everyone at Sturt, what they've been able to achieve with getting back on their feet, the the renovations at the footy club, the place they hold within their community, and then the performances they, they've sort of been able to put up. And, and also the, um, what would you call it, the engagement of so many local product within well so much local product within all their teams which is fabulous as well can i talk about my weekend just briefly with you Mm -hmm. please friday night i was at the mcg for the prelim final collingwood and gws and that is one of the best football experiences i've ever had in my life that's right yeah i I was texting you during the game and was all going on and GWS so close. What, what was the feeling like at the ground? There would have been some tension because it looked about 85% Collingwood people there. The first two goals that Collingwood kicked in the first couple of minutes, um, I, I believe we were at, like, we weren't in shock or anything, but I kind of thought, well, this is over. What a waste of time this is going to be. Mm. And then they stopped and they didn't kick a goal, I think, for another hour and... The Giants looked incredible. Yeah, moved the ball beautifully, didn't they? It it was amazing to see how they played. And I think like a handful of these lesser known names here in South Australia and in Victoria, like you see the way um, that Brown played. He was incredible. 
Um, Buckley, to- Buckley was fantastic. Buckley was great. Toby Bedford was mm. amazing with his pressure. Speed. Jesse Hogan, even though he only kicked one goal in the end, the way that he presented as well. Sam Taylor, dominant across half And Tom back. Green, just mm. ridiculously good. So a couple of things as a, as a Port Adelaide fan who saw the Giants break the power fans' hearts the week before. I watched that prelim final and thought this would have been ch- challenging for Port Adelaide mm. if they got to play in that game on Friday night. They just, and I looked at the midfield of Collingwood and the Giants, and I thought, Port have a great midfield, but they've still got a bit of work to do yeah, if they need to get to that level. And they're only young. They're still developing sort of size and body-wise and strength and stamina and all those things. Did you notice on the night, the big story for me, the last quarter, it was it was like, I don't know what, you know, mixed martial arts, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it was... The umpire, there was only 24 free kicks paid for the whole night, but it just seemed like the whistle got put away. There were free kicks missed. Yeah. You know, one obvious one with Toby Green. The Toby Green one I noticed and thought is, yeah, he's definitely going to get a free kick mm. here because he he didn't really duck his head no. into the tackle. But And a similar thing happened in the Brisbane game on Saturday night. I think it was Lincoln McCarthy and they, yeah. he could have had a free kick given to him too. So that was really interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. The other two things that stood out for me massively, and if you just um, tuned on to um, SCNSA, we're talking about the prelim finals very quickly before we talk about the Brownlow. Thanks to Ty Power, Ty Safety Experts, this final series. When people say it's the loudest crowd they've ever heard, I'm on board with that. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, I was standing and I, was, I had a really wonderful night because I got to go and watch the football with my uncle who lives in Victoria. We are standing on level four of the members. Yes. I almost felt unsafe because the grandstand was shaking. Mm. I'm like, we should probably get off this. <laughs> Like it was it was physically shaking. Yeah. And that is the most pure that you are going to get. 97,000 people at the G. Um, I'm glad I got to have the Collingwood experience with the fans there as yeah. much as we don't like Collingwood. It was unreal. However, there was one thing I noticed, Mark Bickley, that I think I should add for um, the very first one of this week. There is a couple of mentions I'd like to make. Certainly as a major sponsor in Vodafone. And Alan Scott... You're wrong. So before you dig, lodge a free uh, inquiry online. Don't dig blind. Search before you dig online every time. BYDA.com.au. Here's my dig to start off the week. Yes. I walked to the MCG from the CBD where I was staying because I was in Melbourne for the ice hockey over the weekend. Overpass. Yep. Amazing walk. Wonderful journey. Mm -hmm. Love it. Here's some of the things that I noticed. Lots of Collingwood Guernseys. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. A handful of Giants, Guernseys, amazing. Then, I saw an Essendon Guernsey, mm. a Melbourne Guernsey. Yeah, people do that. Geelong Guernsey. Yep. I don't like it. <laughs> Why not? If you're going to watch Collingwood and the Giants, wear a Collingwood or Giants Guernsey if you support them. If you support another club, don't wear your colours. All right. Well, I think it just looked weird. I looked around going, I didn't know Essendon was playing tonight. Well, I think you did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did. I think that's just a bit of look at me, isn't it? It's a bit of look it's at me. It's definitely a bit of look at me because the, the following day I was at the, the NHL at Rod Laver Arena, which was unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw all different types of jerseys everywhere and I thought this is great because this is a celebration of NHL. It's an exhibition or a preseason yeah. game between Arizona 
and um, Los Angeles, the first time the NHL had been in Australia ever. People could wear whatever they wanted. I love that. Was anyone wearing the Mighty Ducks? Heaps of people wearing Mighty <laughs> Ducks, and that's that's where a lot of their stuff. I did have another dig though before I throw okay, it over please, to you. Keep going. Um, I know you're a hip hop fan, and Huge. you once performed the song "Phenomenon" by. Uh, do you know he's the artist L something? What's his name? LL Cool J. LL Cool J, exactly. Well, my dig is that um, the president of the free world, Joe Biden, who tried to say LL Cool J on the weekend. And two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh... <laughs> so there's, there's, there's Joe. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's a good a start for the morning. Um, look, of course, before you dig, lodge your free inquiry online. Don't dig blind search before you dig online every time. BYDA.com.au. You got one for us, Bix? Oh, look, mine's just around the Brownlow medal and... Um, you know, we always whinge it's a midfielder's award, but Charlie Kerner had one of the great seasons this year, uh, kicked close to 80 goals, but he still only polls 17 votes. And similarly with the All-Australian fullback and, and players that make the All-Australian team, they, they hardly raise a mention. So I don't know. I don't think a, I don't think a forward's ever going to win it ever again. They'd have to kick 150 goals to be able to get enough votes to win the Brownlow. Like the winner was almost double what Charlie Kerno did, yet Charlie Kerno, most people would look at the, the minor round season and say, if he's not in the top five best players in the competition, you know, you're not a great judge, and yet can't get in the top 30 players or 25 players in the Brownlow. We will talk about the Brownlow medal throughout the morning, and we'd love your thoughts on it. 0427-154-166, that's our text line. Thanks to Team Kia for Family Cars at Port Adelaide, because there was a lot of controversy last night. There were a few games where Lockie Neal managed to get a handful of votes in mm. a game where he wasn't in the best 14 players on the ground. And then from an Adelaide point of view, um, Jason Horn francis managed to get three votes in a game against Geelong where he didn't play that well. Well, and, and Sydney had some anomalies. Joel Amati kicked four goals in the first half, pulled a hamstring, went off, and he got three votes. I felt sorry for Errol Goulden. Errol Goulden had three games this year where he had 40-plus possessions and two goals mm. in each of the three games. He got a sum combined total of one vote from those three games, and that was in the, the last round of the year. So, look, whilst we complain about it, it's been going on since Adam was a boy. I, you know, like you, in, on a personal note, you don't have to go back to when Andrew McLeod got 44 votes in a uh, 44 possessions in a game against Fremantle um, in the last game of the year and, and ended up never getting a vote. And that was the year that Jason Ackermanis beat him by a vote. So mm. you can go back through every year. And I'm sure there's stories going back before we had Twitter, before we had stats and that we were able to compare things to. And it's just, it is what it is. And that's some of the uh, the anomalies that sometimes... Yeah, but give, it, give us a couple up. of hours to be outraged. Oh, I'm just saying, yeah. Well, how is it that Wayne Carey and Lee Matthews never won a brown line? Mm. There's, there's anomalies everywhere, really. 13 minutes past six, Tide Powers, Tire Safety Expert. is this final series, and we would love to hear from you. Are you happy with the Brownlow result? Should we just scrap it and focus on the coaches' awards or the player-voted MVP? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can call us. We'll speak to Sam Edmund a little bit later on. To give us the latest AFL news, Collingwood will definitely make one force change with Dan McStay being out for the grand final. That could mean 
a former Crow and power player, will be playing in the grand final this weekend. And for Brisbane, they may have the opportunity to make a change as well. Mm. So, um, Jack Payne, they'll, they'll be sweating on on his fitness. They certainly will. Uh, it's it's your show. So send us a text. We'll read it out. There's a prize you can win as well. Our Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. We are also going to speak to Glenelg Premiership star Matt Allen. We'll do that a little bit later on. Good morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 19 minutes past six, going for a top of 22 degrees. Today we're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. As we mentioned before, SEN's AFL Grand Final Day partner is Cobram Estate. Premium Australian extra virgin olive oil and Alternaleaf. Just book your online appointment at alternaleaf.com.au. Saturday, 1pm. It all starts on SEN SA. Uh, Bix... What we like to do every morning is give away stuff. So we've got that Signet Boost power bank. It will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. It's as simple as this. The first person we speak to each morning, we give away something to. So yep. our number, one 736 736 Call us. You call. You get on the air. You win. Simple as that. You can talk about anything. It could be the Sandful Grand Final over the weekend. It could be the Brownlow Medal last night. It could be your Grand Final tip for Saturday. Just let us know that number again: one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Just on another piece of information, Nathan Bassett uh, was informed yesterday that his contract was not going to be renewed, which is I was a little bit surprised by that. Most people think that. Um, Nathan is a great coach. He's had enormous success uh, personally at Norwood when he was coaching that team. And, uh, you know, we love chatting to him. He's you know, got a great sort of knowledge of the game. So Port Adelaide, I guess, if you don't change your head coach, you need to make some adjustments and um, the merry-go-round begins. So Nathan Bassett now uh, looking for a new position. Some people were suggesting that Nathan Bassett was, uh, as I've once heard it referred to, an escape. <laughs> what was that? A goat. So the word is scapegoat, but I've once heard someone call it an escape <laughs> goat. <A> scapegoat. <laughs> so <laughs> that's heard your ears, hasn't it? It was very loud. Mm. So Nathan could be the fall guy mm. or... Could be the first domino to fall at Port Adelaide. Who knows? Mm. Mm. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But once again, um, when you keep your uh, your senior coach, your head coach, then often if if you've you know they they did an intensive review about how Ken was going. If there are some um, some holes in the coaching team, we always talk about it being a team. If you're not going to change the head coach, you need to supplement some of his deficiencies with other people that that, that are strong in that regard. So that's that's the the whole mix, it's just trying to find this spread of talent so you you cover off all bases. So, um, yeah, and often it's just who's out of contract at the wrong time. You call, you win, one three hundred seven three six seven three six in Clovelly Park. Ben, good morning to you. Uh, first of all, thanks for calling. You've won something already. So you've got the Signet Boost Power Bank. That's all yours. What do you want to talk about, mate? Morning, guys. Um, just a quick one. So I'm, the, I'm a poor fan, but uh, so I'm disappointed for Butters. But obviously... Really happy for Lockie Neal. I think he's a gun player. My question to you guys is, who do you think the best dual Brownlow medalist that's ever been? I mean, he's got to be right up there, but I thought I'd get your mm. thoughts. Yeah, Greg Williams has won too. I reckon he was pretty good. Keith Gregg was a little bit before my time. He won in 73, 74. Robert Harvey was pretty good. 97, 98, Robert Harvey. I, I, yeah, probably. I, I ended up playing. 
he was my era, so I played a lot against Robert Harvey. He was just a phenomenal player. And often in a team that wasn't great, they end up sort of coming good towards the end. But look, hard to split, isn't it? You know, it's like, like it's, it's a personal choice. Which is your favourite flavour of ice cream? You well, know, they're all great players. Ben, one of the things Bix and I were speaking about before, that if Patrick Cripps last year was actually suspended and that stood, Lockie Neal would be a three-time Brownlow medalist this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, I mean, he, look, he's a deserved player. I think the, the good part for Lockie is, again, he doesn't have a lot of players in and around that midfield that takes votes off of him. And you see some really good players probably miss out because they've got guys taking mm. votes, votes off of them. I mean, Petrarca with Oliver and, and Jack Viney, I think, got four or five best on grounds last night where Petrarca probably played just as well. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? So, yeah, it is, Ben, and you make a really good point. I, I, I was actually a bit surprised by the lack of votes that Josh Dunkley got. Josh Dunkley got four or five votes. Had him rated much more highly on a number of occasions um, throughout the year. And even Hugh McCluggage only polled four or five as well. So it does, you know, sometimes you, you're, you're the one, you know, so three players play well and clearly Lockie Neal was a proven vote getter. I think it sometimes helps when you've already won a Brownlow medal. That sort of must, it just seems that. Well, the, surely because the umpires are voting, there has to be some influence from the outrage too. So what do you mean influence from the outrage? So next year, so everyone, let, let's talk about Zach Butters, for example. Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about Zach Butters throughout the year, wins the coach's award and does wins a stack of awards. Um, but he didn't poll incredibly well. He came fourth or fifth. But he was he was everybody's favourite alongside Nick Dacos mm-hmm. um, going into last night. So there will be, surely, subconsciously from the umpires, they will be watching Zach Butters a little bit more closely next year. Yeah, it's interesting, this whole point, because people say, ah, well, it takes you a year to get noticed. Will Ashcroft, 11 votes in his first year. Mm. Jason Horn francis really, this is his first season where he's actually played in the midfield. What did he poll? 16 votes? Didn't take those guys a year to get Should noticed. Should have only polled 13. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> I think it's just some players catch the eye. I was surprised. That, like Zach Butters, the game against uh, Essendon, he never polled a vote. He got 10 coaches' votes. And that was the game where he, he darted, he zipped, he zagged, he did everything. You know, he was just everywhere. I was just so surprised. There were some games when I just thought he would really catch the eye that he didn't. But it's just clearly when you're out there, it's a personal thing. The umpires... The umpires don't look at stats after the game either. It's interesting. Yeah. We always say it's stat-driven. This is So just quickly on that, did Jordan Dawson get three votes in the showdown? And remember that controversy around Jordan Dawson getting the showdown medal? Mm. And I think he got three Brownlow votes in that game. Yeah, in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one many thought Isaac Rankin. Exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. It is 26 minutes past six. Good um, job, Ben. Thank you for We calling. are here. Yes, of course, Ben. Hold the line. We'll uh, get your details and um, send that Signet Boost Power Bank. We do that every day as well. So the first caller every show wins something. It's very easy. Uh, more Team Kia for Family Cars at Port Adelaide. Good morning. Tire Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tire safety check at your local Tire Power. Montaigne Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! Picture perfect Tuesday morning right across Adelaide. We're in studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Just looking out the window, Mark Bickley, and it's going to be a gorgeous day. 
on a massive week, AFL Grand Final week. We want to get your tips in too, so please send them in. You can text us, 0427-154-166. we got lots of texts we'll read out in a moment. Yes, and the Grand Final weather forecast for here in South Australia, 30 degrees. So if you're planning a barbecue for Grand Final Day, get the steaks ready to go. It's going to be fantastic. That is brilliant. I cleaned the barbecue yesterday too. Great. Is that a good story? Ready to go. Thanks so much. Um, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you are in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Speaking of American football, the biggest story of the weekend from American football was um, Travis Kelsey apparently going out with Taylor Swift. Saw that. It's a big story. You better be careful because if he does something wrong, I have a song written about him. <laughs> exactly that's right. that's what happens with Taylor Swift. If you, if you don't, do something don't bad, get on the wrong side of it. Exactly, you uh, you become part of the music charts for all the wrong reasons. She's got the top ten hits in America at the moment. She's got every spot on the top. In it's the ridiculous. Top 10. You know who else uh, has gone massive in America? He's Ed Sheeran, played in front of 80,000 people at SoFi Stadium over the weekend. And you think about this guy who was busking in the UK with a, a guitar and a loop pedal. Now he's just going stadium to stadium. I don't think he's going to be back at the Thebe Theatre anytime soon, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> We'll head to the news and come back with our footy shorts because there's plenty to talk about. Your local tyre power. Mourn Team Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 23 minutes to 7. Good morning to you. On Tuesday, the 26th of September, we are going for 22 degrees today. Our text line 0427 154 166. Before we get into our footy shorts, Mark Bickley, Loop Logics, the Swiss Army Knife of Construction Management. Um, Alan from Alberton says, morning, guys. Not sure why we expect the umpires to get the votes right, considering they can't get a simple free or goal or point right. Mm. Cheers. Yes. And the other thing as well, like, you know, I do a little bit of commentary for uh, Crows Nation and SEN across the whole spectrum. It is difficult. I can watch the game and get to the end of the game. and thought, oh, how do you split this guy and this guy, and you know, if, if you had to give three, two, one, it's often quite difficult. So you can imagine if you're in the game, one of four, a uh, fair bit going on. It's not an easy thing, but in the end, the group of players, the six or so players, Dacos, Bontempelli, Neil, but they were the day. Um, who else was up there? Uh, Petrarca. They were the people that we all thought were going to be there. They were the ones that won a lot of the media awards. So. Well, it wasn't disastrous. It wasn't like there was someone that nobody was expecting and sort of got up and won it. There's one from Cody, which is a long one, but I like it. I have to get this one out early after a wild night at the Brownlow. Is it time to take the Brownlow voting away from the umpires? Gee whiz. Um, They struggle to pay a free kick when someone gets decapitated, let alone pick the best player on the ground. Example, round six, Giants versus Lions. Charlie Cameron kicked 7-2. Josh Kelly had 41 Kicked a goal. Cornelio, 38 with 11 tackles. Daniels, 20 touches with 4-1. Lockie Neal got the three votes. He said, it's not the only story like this one. Um, and said, Bix, can you please try and explain this one to me without me having to be heavily intoxicated to understand? <laughs> <laughs> I love Neil, but I don't think you deserve that one. And I've, I think we should give a shout out to Cody. The thing I love about Cody's text is at the end of them, there's the sign off is brilliant. So mm. last week it was straight sets. This one is Cody from David Kosh, three votes. <laughs> yeah, well... Like I say, this isn't a new phenomenon. There, there are. We can go back 
years, every year we, we, we talk about this. And also there was times when players actually win it where they where nobody even expected them to be anywhere near it. Like Shane Moy Woden was one that was out of the box. You go back a little bit further, and was a, a guy called Brian Wilson who shocked everyone uh, in terms when he won it. He was a Melbourne player. So. Did you say it's not a phenomenon just like um, the rapper LL Cool J or as Joe Biden likes to say? The two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Our footy shorts, loop logics, the future of construction that's management. A, that's ages, by the no, way. No, it's not. This for a free is... demo, visit looplogics.com. Let's just be let's just be real for a second. This guy is the leader of the free world. It's <laughs> oh, a worry, isn't it? Like he's got that red button there, ready to go. Mm. Let's talk footy. Yep, let's do it. Let's do some <laughs> footy shorts. Uh the AFL have announced a couple of new commissioners, long-serving club administrator Andrew Ireland and former GWS and Fremantle tagger Matt DeBoer have been appointed to the AFL commission. Um, the commission uh, chairman, Richard Goida, uh, endorsed the commission, uh, the, the appointments. So that's going to happen next year. Ireland played 110 games for Collingwood and was chief executive of the Brisbane Bears before moving to Sydney. Uh, and becoming the football general manager and chief executive and also a director at the Swans. DeBoer retired at the end of last season after 223 AFL games. Uh, he was an AFLPA delegate and he's now a co-founder of a venture capital company in 2020. He co-founded that. So there you go. Some um, The good thing about that is, from this is from my sort of perspective, is both those guys have an understanding of what it's like to be a non-Victorian team yep. to play and manage. So Andrew Ireland, the Bears and Sydney, and of course, um, DeBoer has played at Fremantle and GWS. So good perspective there. North Melbourne, uh, in another story, will receive three extra first-round draft picks across two years in a bid by the AFL to help lift the club off the bottom of the ladder. The Kangaroos won only three games in 2023 and have failed to finish higher than 17th in the past four seasons, including wooden spoons in 21 and 22. Let's have a listen. There was a, there was the discussion on AFL 360 last night with a couple of the coaches. There was Chris Scott and also Ross Lyon. Let's have a listen to Chris Scott, first of all. So there is a mechanism of equalisation within the competition already. If you finish second last, you get second pick in the draft. And they've had that for a number of years now yep. because they chose to go down a certain path. Mm. But the AFL pretty quickly has got to get to the point, in my view where they just get out of the way and let the system operate without this blatant manipulation. Mm. Yeah. Why are Pretty we, strong. Why are we rewarding people who stuff things up in the draft? They've, they've had so many high picks um, who just haven't turned out right. They've brought in players like Jared Pollock and others that just haven't worked out. So this is a really around how they've managed it as opposed to you know, not having opportunities. I just don't understand it. Ross Lyon was of a similar nature. Well, I think the, the real question is if you put yourself in the hole, because there's been a lot of decisions over a long period mm. of time, not unlike the Saints and other clubs, to, to keep going back to head office and asking for assistance. I think there's a bit to be said, dig yourself out. Mm, dig yourself out. Um, and it's going to be interesting when both coaches are invited to the North Melbourne breakfast on this weekend. <laughs> This whole thing about equalisation is exactly that. You you finish on the bottom, you get the pick. They've had they've had lots of picks. You know, when you think about the Jason Horn Francis one, they end up getting yes, he went home, but then they end up getting a number of picks back. 
And and we know they've got lots of first round picks in there. They've got arguably the greatest coach in the modern era. Like they've got, you know, they they don't want for too much. Most of the they're, they're one of the clubs that benefit from the equalisation package in terms of funding. They get very well funded by the AFL because they're one of the smaller Victorian clubs. So that sounds like North Melbourne are having a bit of a suki suki la la. Mm. What what it is though is the AFL recognise. That if you have one club that is non-competitive, in actual fact, two this year, North Melbourne and and we almost West had Coast. three at the start of the season. It looked like Hawthorne were going to be part of that group, but they they turned it around pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, so so just the package, just sort of backing over it. They get an end of first round pick this year, so that'll be pick nineteen this year, and then next year they get two end of first round picks, so they get mm. pick nineteen and pick twenty. So most people are saying they will trade the two picks from next year and get a player for this year and they'll okay. use the extra player. So there was talk they were trying to get a young player from Tasmania who they were trying to get linked to their academy. Um, I think his name is Riley Sanders. And now they suspect that they'll keep Riley Sanders at the club by trading those two draft picks. Uh before we get to a couple of text messages, and thank you for that, Bix, the World Game update is thanks to Christian Brothers College, the world before us. Uh, we're on Ange Watch at the moment with our World Game update because Champions League action is tomorrow. Um, the Ange update is that Tottenham again were incredible on the weekend, Bix. So they ended up sharing the points or getting a point with um, Arsenal to all. Yes. So that's big because Arsenal had a really good season last year. Um, and uh, Sun Huang-Min ended up scoring the two goals Sun? for Tottenham. Is that Sun? Sun. Hmm. Thank Is you. It, yeah. uh, no, no, I didn't want to correct you because you are... Uh, I think you know you need to correct me. You're the name's guru. Mm. Uh, where they sit at the moment is... Definitely a watch this space. So they were sitting second last week. Tottenham have gone down to fourth on the table at the moment. Um, it's pretty close at the top. So Man City sitting first. Uh, Liverpool are in second. Brighton third. Tottenham fourth. Arsenal fifth. This is my watch this space for the Premier League this season. Aston Villa, the way they have started in 23-24, they've earned 12 points from their opening six Premier League games so far this season. Only in four previous Premier League campaigns have Villa had better points tally after six games. So this was in uh, 98-99. They were on 14, 2008, 09, 13, 99, 2013, and 95-96-13. So their start to the Premier League season has been outstanding. Can they keep it up? That's the big question, isn't it? Well, the Premier League goes for about two years, so we'll find out. Um, Christian Brothers College partnering with Tottenham Hotspur too, unleashing new opportunities for students in role now. Ange giving a shout-out to Carlton on the weekend too. So Ange is just ticking all the football boxes and the uh, public relations boxes as well. Well, Carlton seemed to be the flavour of the month. Robbie Williams, Ange Christou, Ange Christou, Ange Postacoglu, Ange Christou as well, by the way. Yep. Woof. (laughs) So there you go. But they're out now, so everyone turns their attention to Collingwood or Brisbane. I think Brisbane are going to be the sentimental favourites amongst non-Collingwood supporters. Which is basically everyone apart from Collingwood supporters. So, uh, Luke and Lindsay, we will get to your text in a few moments' time. You can send them in 0427-154-166. We are certainly here in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. And a massive thanks to Mourn Team Care for family cars at Port Adelaide. It's 13 to 7. Local tyre power. Mourn Team Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready?
Breakfast Grand Final Weekend SEN's AFL Grand Final Day partner is Cobram Estate Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil and Alternaleaf. Book your online appointment at alternaleaf.com.au. Saturday afternoon it all starts. Can I quickly mention something about this Cobram Estate yes, Olive Oil? Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple here in Studio Lumo. If you're listening on the app right now, you can have a look. So we've got the Extra Virgin Olive Oil. There's the garlic infused one. Um now, I'm following a lot of Christian Petrarca's recipes on Instagram. Here's a tip for you. If you are looking at purchasing one of the Cobram Estate olive oils, yes. there's one which is chili infused. Now, yep. I'm not a massive chili guy, but this gives me just amount, like the right amount of chili. Mm. It's very nice. All the infused ones are really nice. Very nice. Mm. Just- we should do a cooking show. I mean, I'd have to do it with Tori, your wife, because you cook zero and I, I cook heaps. I have about three meals. That's that's all I'm good for. What are they? I, I make uh, like, I'm sort of that sort of Mexican stuff, you know, taco. Oh, yeah. I did the tacos last night. Why? Wrong day. Today in the Walsh household, <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Tori was otherwise engaged, so she bought all the stuff. So I did that. I'm, and uh, what else do we do? Wraps, you know, or you, you've. Chicken and so burrito basically. Yeah, so he's still on the Mexican yeah, theme. Yep. Then, what else do you do? Oh, nachos. Um, spaghetti bolognese. Oh gosh, that, that's about it. Uh, what and and I'm the barbecue maestro. I'm, I'm in charge of the barbecue at home. So that's about it. After You're so that, worldly, Mark Bickley. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're in Studio Lumo here. As I said, thanks to Tire Power, Tire Safety Experts. This final series. If you are just waking up and you went to bed. Um, you know, about 11.30 last night, you probably still wouldn't have seen or heard who won the Brownlow medal, so here it is. Brisbane. Yeah. L. Neal, three votes. And I declare the winner of the 2023 Brownlow medal, Lockie Neal of the Brisbane Lions Football Club. So Lockie Neal gets his second Brownlow medal, as uh, Daniel said in the text just then, 0427154166, Mark Bickley. And we mentioned this earlier, if Cripps didn't get off that suspension Mm. last year, it would have been a triple Brownlow medal and back-to-back winner as well and a Hall of Fame legend. So congratulations to Lockie Neal. It's been a good weekend for the Glenelg Football Club. The Bays are getting around Lockie as well as a former Bays player too. Yeah, and am I the only one? That the last two years, the last vote of the night has seen the winner come over the top of the person who's was currently leading it. Now, that last game or that last round is stage managed because it's not in the game's order. Is is that a bit rough on Marcus Bontempelli? Well, they zoomed in on him with this music. Hello, darkness, my old friend. So, so they play it. He comes over the top and he gets in front. He's in front by a vote and there's only one game to go. And it just happens to be the game that Lockie Neal's playing in. And then he gets the three. And then Marcus Bontempelli is like the, the bride left at the altar. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. Well, then why don't we just not interview Toby Green at the end of the prelim final uh, when he's crying and emotional? Like you have to have the emotion of these things because the Brownlow medal is a... TV made for television event. So they have to have the theatre and the build up and suspense. No, and there's always going to be someone who's a bit. Oh, so you want, you want to have Lockie Neal at the start of that round knowing he's no, won no. it? No, whatever order the games are in. 
Just read out the the order the games are in. You have no sense of theatre, Mark Bickley. No, but it's like, well, so the Premier League, when they all play at the same time in the last round, isn't that a similar thing? And there will become a time where just through the luck of the draw, the last game will be it. But let's not set people up to be, you know, get their hopes up high and then just rip the carpet out from underneath them. I just don't feel like it's, it's fair. For the sake of the great viewing audience for TV, we just... If they announced Lockie Neal had won it, in the second game of that round, mm-hmm. then Gil may as well have stopped going through the rest of the votes for that round because no one would be listening because well, they'd all be celebrating. That's happened before, and that's fine. But but let's not like for like for every bit of theatre that that we that the drama that is Lockie Neal who wins on the last vote, there's someone that actually gets smashed by that, and that's Marcus Bontempelli for the second time. Happen, happened with Ollie Wines, where Wines beat him by a vote or two, and now. Like there's there's always a casualty in all this for all that's the... theatre though, mate. This is you've you've got to get with the times. This is what they would have loved it last night because they would have held a captive audience watching that moment. But if if it was just the last round and Lockie Neal, his game was the third game of the round. If they had to read those other five games out, so do you think they would have, like half the audience would have turned off for the next thirty seconds? Absolutely, because they would have gone. Oh, he's one up and going to bed now because it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what about so they didn't want to wait to hear the hear him make his speech or get the thing draped around his neck? It's literally thirty seconds. There's no yeah, more I'd, ad revenue generated or not generated. But there's always going to be someone that's disappointed. I mean, do they do they they put the camera on Zach Butters when he's expected to get three votes in a mm-hmm. game and he doesn't? I mean, everyone's going to be disappointed no, at some stage. But that's fine. But let's not stage manage it to to have someone be the leader up until the last vote and then have them sort of have someone come over the top of them. I just, Paddy Cripps did it last year. They've done it this year. I just feel like let's just let it unfold. They, they don't stage manage any other round except the last round. And okay. then they, then they put the, well, once again, I just, Bont was fine with it, but. My highlight was seeing Lockie Neal get awarded the Brownlow medal in front of 12 people in <laughs> Queensland. And this is what he had to say. No, thanks. Thanks everyone. Um, I hope you have a great night in Melbourne. Sorry. I'm not there. I'm not actually that sorry. I'm, I'm pumped that I'm not there. But, um, I'll see you on Saturday, but thanks very much guys. Appreciate it. That was the funny thing because they, they had a little event. So if, if Port Adelaide were in the grand final, I would have been at the, um, the Port Adelaide event, which is in front of a small group of people. Mm. You're all drinking water. And then you go up and you have the celebrations that you want. Mm. Um, and they all say, you know, this this is important, but winning the premiership is even more important. But in the back of your mind, you'd be thinking this is pretty cool. Yeah, well, not so much now. You know, like he'll appreciate it, but in years to come, it'll be phenomenal. Just on the brown light, you mentioned it goes too long. It absolutely dragged out. There's just moments where the mark of the year and the goal of the year, they get people up to introduce them. And that goes for three or four minutes yeah. before they actually show the marks. Then they interview the person like Will Ashcroft getting interviewed was it's the waste of 45 seconds. Literally this is the mark of the year. Show the three marks and then just announce one as the winner. Pre-record someone draping it over his, yeah. over his neck earlier. The bit about the retiring players, Darcy Moore, look, he's a great speaker but he didn't need to speak for four minutes about retiring players and the generation and how many Brownlows and how many games they played. Just show a montage of all the players that yeah. are retiring as you go off into the ad break. I reckon you could chop 45 minutes at least out of that that 
whole night and it'll be a better package. I agree with you. We got plenty of texts coming in. Luke says, hey, lads, weren't we having the same conversation last year and the year before that and the year before that about who won the Brownlow medal? Lindsay, it seems that the umpires are not uh, only at odds with what the fans think about decision-making or lack of it. There's obviously a gap in their judgment of how people play. Well, time for a big review on both counts. Thank you for your text, Lindsay. What we'll do next, Bix, because normally on a Tuesday, it's the five things that you learn from the weekend's footy. Why don't we do the five things that stood out for you from the Brownlow medal count last night mm-hmm. with some players who were a bit stiff to miss out? There were some players that probably should have got votes where they didn't and vice versa. We want to take your contributions and suggestions. 0427154166. We're in studio. Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. And I think what we'll do on our uh, Twitter handle, 1629 SEN, let's let's put let's put that little debate that you and I had. Should the last round be stage managed for dramatic effect in the Brownlow, or should it just be read out in the order the games were played? I like it. Our Tuesday wash up is next, thanks to Paramount Browns, the scrap metal people. Good morning. Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Three minutes past seven on SENSA Breakfast. Good morning to you. Tuesday, the 26th of September. We have a huge show still to come. We're going to be chatting to Sam Edmund with the latest AFL news. A bit of response from uh, the weekend's games, but also the Brownlow medal last night. We are also going to speak to Glenelg Premiership star Matt Allen. It was a brilliant Sandville grand final over the weekend. No matter your club colours, Balfour's are for the game. What a great season of Sandville too, Mark Bickley. The crowd, over 30,000 in Adelaide Oval, which which is awesome. I think there was probably, I reckon, the... The matches leading up to that grand final, the three weeks prior, I was a little bit nervous about who would actually attend. And mm. to have over 30,000 is a, a, a massive success. Yeah, 33,300 or something along those lines. So that's a, a cracking crowd. So uh, And feedback from a lot of the people that stayed around for the hot dub time machine and the saint. Did that, you stay around for that? No, I didn't. I, um, I went home. But a lot of people, not a lot, but some people I spoke to did stay around yeah. and said that it was excellent. So well done bit of innovation there. Keep people uh, at the ground a bit longer. Beaumont Times is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply before the uh, five things that you learned from the weekend on our Twitter at 1629SENSA. We are asking whether the theatre should play a role in regards to the Brownlow and how it concluded last night. But talking about American football, what about that score over the weekend, which is ridiculous? The Miami Dolphins score the most points in a game by an NFL team since 1966. They beat your Denver Broncos mm-hmm. 70-20. 70? 70. That's a lot of TDs. Oh, look at him with the lingo. I like that. Let's get into the five things you learn, Mark Bickley. SCNSA Breakfast, top five things we've learned. Well, I'm just going to go with Lockie Neal. He's just a proven vote winner. There's no doubt about that. And like some people suggest that if you win one, you uh, you come under the eye or they, the, the umpires notice you a bit more. And we've made this point a number of times. He's won two now. He... Was also a would have won had Paddy Cripps, who was suspended and had that overturned last year, had that have stood, he would have been a three-time Brownlow Medal winner. Uh, some conjecture about some of the games that he polled him, but the one thing he does, he's around the footy, he runs with the ball, he's uh, you know he's obviously in front of the umpire's eyes, but he is a vote winner. 
I want to talk about Rory Laird. Just before you move on from Lockie Neal, there was a mindset that he had that he spoke about last night that his AFL career may never have happened. You were concerned you weren't going to be drafted. You went 58 in 2011 and you had to console yourself with Tim Lawrence, a great mate of yours, and your coach at Glenelg. What did he say to you when you weren't asked to draft camp? Yeah, Timmy, uh, he's a great man and a great mentor uh, for me. He told me uh, to control what you can control and don't worry about those external things like draft camp and and things like that, which I didn't get invited to and um, just tried to put my head down and and play some good footy the back end of um, my draft year. But, yeah, even sitting on the couch watching the draft that year, mum came up to me after about pick 40 or something and said, oh, there's, there's always the rookie draft. So um, she wasn't very confident either. Big so I don't know how closely you watched the Carlton-Brisbane game on Saturday late afternoon. Very closely. But when he went down, I was uh, in shoulder. Melbourne, just left the ice hockey. Mm. I was uh, watching on a treadmill and I saw him go down and I thought, okay, he's holding onto his shoulder. He should be fine. Then I waited till the end of that quarter where he was holding on to his Guernsey to support that shoulder and wouldn't high-five his teammates with that arm. I thought, this is going to be the story of the grand final that Lockie Neal is not going to play because of his shoulder. And then it turns out he's had some trouble with it anyway, but Mm. I was a little bit concerned for him at that point. Yeah, there's generally a story around that, of course. Dan McStay was the the story out of Friday night's game with a, a knee injury, so he won't take part. You mentioned Billy Frampton could be in line for a call-up. They might also just go a little bit smaller. He as well. started well this season, Billy Frampton, for Collingwood. There's some hard luck stories like that as well. John Noble played a lot of the year for Collingwood and probably not, won't get not, picked. Not a lot of the year. He played every minor round yeah, game. Yeah, not finals. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty remarkable. Anyway, let's get back to the five things I learned. So Lockie Neal polled in 14 games. Uh, Rory Laird for the Adelaide Football Club polled 20 votes, but he polled in 12 games. So and he polled two Three's polled a lot of ones in the back half of the year, but just goes to show how consistent a player he is. 12 out of the 23 games he played, he was in the best three players on the ground. That is very, very good. Jason Horn francis you'd have to say the umpires certainly notice what he is able to do. 16 votes in his second year, and it was it was a good year, and it was an improving year, but by no means are we saying he was close to reaching his maximum potential. You'd have to suggest that... If he has a consistent injury-free run, and as he progresses and plays more and more midfield time, he is going to certainly be right up there at some stage in his career. We had a couple of texts about that. 0427-154-166. Travis saying, I learned that Jason Horn francis will win a Brownlow medal. The Ump's loving 13 disposal game against Geelong in round 14. The highlight of his collection of three-vote games. The kid will be a star. 16 votes in his second season. And then Rocco says, last night Horn francis showed he's going to be a proven vote-getter. Three in a game that he got 34 Dream Team points. That's a record. (laughs) He said it cost Zach Butters that. There you go. So um, he certainly shows that he can get the votes. Bix, as we continue, the five things you learned, our wash-up, thanks to Paramount Browns, the scrap metal people. Yeah, Errol Goulden is the other player who's is genuine. What did you, who did you say? Errol Goulden. Oh. I would do anything just to be like him. Is that right? That's what a lot of Sydney fans will be singing, I would have thought. Mm. Only his third year polled 27 votes, and he had a nine-game streak where he polled 21 votes in a – there was a maximum of 27. That is a remarkable effort. And when you think as well, so he finished, what, five off the lead. He had three games where he had 40 disposals and two goals in every one of the three games. Yep. 
hold a combined total of one vote from those three games. Now, that's quite remarkable. Generally, if you get 40 possessions and kick two goals, you're almost guaranteed the three. But um, it just goes to show as well, one, how much he's developed. He was a Towards the back end of last year, he was a really improving player and people were saying how he's going to be a great player this year. He certainly lived up to that. And he's only in his third year of AFL footy, so that's a, a cracking effort. He How played really well in that final two uh, before they were eliminated. I'm not going to sing. Thank this you. Time, no. uh, and the last one is another couple of uh, uh, sort of keep an eye on types. One was Noah Anderson, who in the front half of the year when the Suns were going okay, he was uh, up there with the leaders as the Suns dropped off. His sort of polling ability dropped off. I think if you're looking forward, I think the Suns could be an improver over the next couple of years with Damien Hardwick, I think he is going to be one of the players who is going to be right up there in coming years. And Caleb Sarong was the other one. 24 votes, finished the, get, finished the year really strongly in a team that didn't have a great year. Once again, if Fremantle are up there in the coming seasons, Caleb Sarong is going to be someone who catch, captures the umpire's eye. I like it, Mark Bickley. We learned a lot from that. We learned a lot last night too. Uh, what did you learn? Send us a text, 0427-154-166. We need your nomination very soon as well, Bix, for who's making a difference. We make a difference. Save on your everyday living expenses. Sam Edmund, not too far away. We'll talk Sandful too. And, of course, we want to hear from you. It is 11 minutes past seven. Uh, we are going for a top of 22 degrees today on SENSA. Good morning. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Mourn Team Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 16 minutes past seven on SENSA. NBL's back this weekend, Mark Bickley. The Blitz finished last weekend. The Adelaide 36ers are playing on Sunday, which should be huge. Um, and if you are in a local basketball team and you love your coach, together with the advertiser, we are looking for Australia's basketball super coach. All you need to do is go to iCanWin.com.au for more details. Um, entries close this Thursday. You could win cash, merchandise, and NBL experiences worth over $10,000. So uh, make sure you do that. 36ers already have released a player. They came to an agreement with Jamal Franklin, so he won't be part of the makeup of the team on Sunday. So they have a new import, hopefully arriving really soon. But it's a great day out for the family. Interesting squad they have built. Uh, I think um, at best they can certainly challenge for the playoffs. Big so um, dream big if you're an Adelaide 36ers fan. Before we get into who's making a difference, we have a lot of text messages coming through. Zero four two seven one five four. One double six. Do you want to read some of them out, Bix? Yeah, let's have a look at this one. Hey, boys, maybe with Horn Francis, it helps to have someone that looks identical to him on the field. It looks like he gets twice as many posies. That's from the Gold Coast Crows. Talking about Miles Bergman. Would have thought so. Um, I just have to check out how Miles Bergman played. Um, I, I must admit, I appreciated a similar thing when Simon Goodwin arrived on the scene. He had the similar haircut to myself yeah. and used to get the footy a bit and had a six on the back of his. He was 36, so if you just called it. A quick oh, yeah, so you got a couple of cheapies. Got a lot of cheapies. Uh, and the problem was he was a left footer. That just made me people thought I could kick better on my left foot or not. But anyway, uh, this one is from Emilio. It says, Morning. Who's it from? Sorry, Emilio. Emilio! <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Um, I've got, um, I've still got. <laughs> okay. And I've got Joe Biden saying LL Cool J wrong. 
And two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. <laughs> That's all I got. Oh, wow. Uh, morning, Stooges. <laughs> Surely the power could find a position for Ben Rutten and Stuart Jew. What do you think? Uh, well, both those guys, I would think, would be in high demand in terms of assistant coaches. That's on the back of Nathan Bassett being um, told that his contract wouldn't be renewed. Bass was coaching the forwards this year, I think. So um, I wonder if that's that's the last of that or whether there'll be some more movement there. I'm not sure. It's pretty tough. This time of year with players, it's very tough when they don't get an opportunity um, and say, so like a Riley Bonner, for example, who was mm. uh, delisted from Port Adelaide, he has to have a look around at his choices now. And yes, we know that the the players and the coaches are paid well. The assistant coaches, though, Bix, when you think about being paid well compared to the hours that they mm. put in, it's not that incredible. So let me just put it this way: so the average wage for a player, so this is an average player, someone who might play you know, he's number 15 or 16 on your list is getting up around $400,000. Now the, the average, um, the assistant coaches would vary from if, if you're a development coach through to a line coach is probably from about a hundred thousand to 200,000. So, so unless you are the senior coach who obviously they can earn exorbitant amounts yep. so big money because they, um, they're the ones that are under the, probably the most pressure. There is a big gap, you know, in terms of the hours you put in, yep. the coding after the games, all that sort of stuff. It's a, quite a demanding lifestyle. And, yeah, it's not huge. What generally happens is a rule that um, the Coaches Association put into the contracts that say the club have to give assistant coaches an indication come August the 1st on what they're doing next year with your contract. So that gives you, you know, all of August – all of September, and I think you get paid to the end of October generally. So you've got three months to actually sort your future out. So this may not have come as a total shock to Nathan Bassett. I would suspect that he would have had an indication of this maybe as early as August. Which but is- unless he's going to go to Adelaide where they don't have a coaching availability at the moment, then he will have to pack up his life and move again into state if he wants to do that because he spent time in Victoria and came back to South I mean, Australia. Less than so. Again, like this is a reality that so many people go through, but there's there's even less jobs when it comes to assistant coaches because you need to fit into the setup that the coaches want you to have. So mm. his options are, if he wants to stay coaching, let's say, for example, Woodville West Torrens have a coaching vacancy if he wanted to jump back into the Sandful, but that's that's technically a step back if you see where he's at. And then he has to shift his family where his kids are going through mm. school, I'm sure, mm. or the back oh. end of school. Like it's, it's a tough time for everyone. Oh, absolutely. And it's... One of the reasons that – so I stopped being an assistant coach. One, I was, I was had enough and there was a change of coach, so it was a nice opportunity. But also the fact if you wanted to continue, I had to move into state. And at the moment – or at that stage, I, I was um, uh, in a situation where, you know, shared custody of my children mm. and it was very difficult. So I didn't really have that option. You know, that was – for me, well, I chose not to take that option because it just wasn't suitable for my lifestyle. So that's that's – wide is really tough and and interesting when you look at josh carr's journey assistant coach at afl level went back to north adelaide yep. and had some success then went to freo then now at port adelaide so whilst it may be you know like you said it may be a backward step and certainly financially it's a it'd be a backward step and you you know nathan might have to supplement it with something else but 
um, it doesn't by any stretch of the imagination sort of discount him from uh, you know some stage sort of moving forward again if that's what he wanted to do. We are in studio Lumo powered by Lumo Energy SA thanks to Mourn Team Kia for family cars at Port Adelaide. Uh, Rocco has sent in a text Bix before we get your nomination for who's making a difference. Uh, 36ers can make the playoffs. Walsh, that's with a huge question mark. No chance. They have the spoon sewn up already. The squad is the worst in the club's history. Now, I'm not in a great position to be able to judge that, but yeah. you probably would be. So let me just challenge a couple of things on that. So last season, the Adelaide 36ers put together the most talented squad that they have had in recent memory from myself. They didn't make the playoffs. The positivity that I see with this squad, if they stay fully fit, um, there's experience with Mitch McCarron. Um, there's Isaac Humphreys, who had a great couple of years at Melbourne United. We didn't have a fully fit Isaac Humphreys here um, when he was playing for Adelaide. Um, Flowers, the rookie, I feel could really make a big impact yeah, on the league. really bloom. Is that what you're going to give to this? Keep going. <laughs> Um, I also think it's it's how the team gels and it's not necessarily the talent that you have on mm. the court. I think the way that they work together. Any other flower puns before we go? Come on. No. Just give us one. No, that's it. You sure? No, I, I couldn't think. That's the only one I could think of was poor and I apologise. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Who's making a difference, Mark Binkley? We make a difference. Save on your everyday living expenses, please. Well, I've gone with uh, Lockie Hosey, who was absolutely fantastic in the in the Sandford Grand Final. Won the Jack Odie medal. He was uh, part of the winning team. Kicked six goals, one. Now, that is important because... In the wash-up, Glenelg kicked 13-8. Sturt kicked eight goals, 14. So Sturt actually had more scoring shots and kicked two goals, eight in the last quarter. But it was Lockie Hosey, particularly early on, kicked two in the first, two in the second, maybe uh, might have even been two in the third. But just every time he got an opportunity, a lot of them weren't difficult shots, but just the, to be able to handle the pressure, go back, go through your routine and, and kick goals when you needed them, just Gave Glenelg the breathing space they needed all the way through the game. And in the end, good kicking is good footy. And he was outstanding in that match. No matter your club colours, Balfazar for the game, he got a premiership medallion. He got the Ken Farmer medal. A couple of other players were called out to get premiership medallions when they weren't even playing in that game. But that's okay. Um, Bix, Mm -hmm. text message. It's a great one. It's one of my favourites from the day. 0427-154-166. This is from Mark. Hey, Bix. What's coding after games? Yeah, so what happens is there's a what's called sports code. Uh, and what what it does is it breaks down the game into little five second grabs. So if I'm when I was coaching the four line at Adelaide, um, I would have all the buttons on my computer. So I have a button for Taylor Walker and a button for Charlie Cameron, a button for Eddie Betts. And every time they go near the ball and do something, you hit that button and it starts recording. And then once they're sort of out of the play or they're finished, you hit another button and it stops recording. And so each player has a little timeline with all these little edits on there, which might go for five seconds. They might go for 20 seconds and it might be, they ran to the right spot. They ran to the wrong spot. They were standing in the wrong. And and so that's what the sort of individual coaches go through after a game. They yeah. sit down with the player for half an hour and they look at all their, their edits or their codes. How did you do that when you're horrible with technology? No, I was okay with this. Yeah. But it, it takes probably around six hours. Okay. So I would I was also doing the, the offense for Adelaide. So you're looking at all the ball movement. So, you, you know, you're going to – so you, eventually you, 
you watch the game three or four times. You code the offense in, you know, the first time you're coding the players and the other time you're looking for all different edits to show the, the other coaches when you go in on Monday. So sometimes you would play a game on a Sunday afternoon and then you're back at the club Monday morning. So you've got the game finishes, you're exhausted, and then you've got six hours of, of coding before you can actually – so you're ready for the meeting, the review meeting the next morning. So it's, it's, it was quite draining at times. Thank you for asking that question as well, Mark. 0427 it's 27 minutes past seven. Here at Cheltenham and Mount Parker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 28 minutes to 8 on SENSA Breakfast. We are going for 22 degrees today. And SEN's AFL Grand Final Day partners, Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil and Alternaleaf. Book your online appointment at alternaleaf.com.au. Saturday right here on SEN, it is going to be huge. Mark Bickley, we see for, is it the second time uh, AFL Grand Final coach in Chris Fagan has never played AFL slash VFL football? Um, or Sam for Waffle. Yeah. yeah. So I think the first time was in the 1900s, uh, way, way, way back. So this is a fantastic achievement. And I think we'll probably see it happen again. Like I think we're starting to see some younger coaches coming through and take up coaching as a profession, mm. you know, for whatever reason, their, their footy mightn't have turned out or they might have been injured. So, yeah, I think we'll see a bit more of that. But it's great um, encouragement for People who may not have played at the highest level. And yeah, Darren Reeves is a great example at the Glenelg Football Club. We will speak to uh, Matt Allen from the Victorious Bays a little bit later on in the show. The other one, Bix, is uh, it's the first time in a long time since the top two ranked teams in the regular mm. season have made the grand final two. Yeah, which is good. And we saw that in the Sandful as well. Glenelg yeah. and Sturt, uh, both Fought it out all year, had a win each during the minor round, and then, of course, Glenelg got over the top. And just a quick shout-out to Annie. Thank you to Annie. Uh, I was talking about Nathan Bassett and said he was coaching the forwards this year. That was the year previous. Chad Corns took over the forwards. Nathan Bassett went back to defence again, a position he held for three years uh, previously. So um, Nathan Bassett looked after the defence, but uh, as we've found out, Late yesterday, he's uh, not going to be at the Port Adelaide Footy Club next year. His contract was not renewed. 26 to 8 on the mic next. Morn Team Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Parker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 22 to 8 on SCNSA Breakfast. 22 degrees today. Bix before on the mark. A brief on this day in sport for you. Yes, please. They're celebrating in America. So there's a bit of a crossover because in America, it's Today, which means it was yesterday, but on this day in 2001, a 38-year-old Michael Jordan came out of retirement and officially signed with the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards. How'd he go? 38 years of age. He went on to average 21.2 points per game in two seasons with the Wizards. It's not bad. Pretty incredible for a 38-year-old. Well, he was a fair player. Yeah, but how old's How old's LeBron at the minute? Same age. Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Comparisons will continue to happen, won't they? What's LeBron averaging at the minute? LeBron had a good season last season. I don't want to get into that conversation where we – because we'll just argue again. I think we've argued a little bit no, today. No, so. I, don't, I don't know anything about basketball. So oh, really? I, I wouldn't be much of an uh, – What What makes you think that? Is that because you all the Denver Nuggets are Denver Broncos? Look at the dogs on the mark! 
Getty like on the mark. Wobbly man stuff on the mark. Every good side has a good captain, Mark Bickley. I was just happy I didn't call him James LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to tell that story uh, one day? Well, no. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll throw I'll throw Neil Craig into this um, that that little uh, story there. He he was having a go at some of the uh, some of our players, and to just to bait them a little bit, he said it was something to do with the um, opposition we were playing, and he said, "You guys, I reckon you'd know more about James LeBron than you would around, around the whatever Collingwood team we're playing this week." He, he obviously knew it was LeBron James, but he just thought he'd get a rise out of the play. Did anyone laugh? Oh, they cacked themselves. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, on the mark, how does this work? Well, you make a statement and then I say whether it's on the mark or off the mark. Okay, here we go. We will never see a forward win the Brownlow ever again. That is on the mark. The only caveat I will put in that, unless something happens and someone kicks over 100 goals, you'd have to kick you know, eights and nines and tens, probably seven or eight times to be able to get the three votes. We saw Taylor Walker uh, get the three votes in the, the game he kicked 10 and the game he kicked nine. Charlie Kernow, I reckon, got maximum votes in the two games he played against West Coast. But I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. And if it does happen, it'll be one out of the absolute sort of uh, out of the bag. Interesting to see, speaking of West Coast, Dom Sheed get three votes last night in a match where they lost by 10 goals to oh, Collingwood. Unbelievable, that was. Australian rugby is in a crisis. That's on the mark. I reckon right now it's it's almost a existential crisis for the Wallabies. They, they are sort of drifting into irrelevance. I can remember the, the good old days when the World Cup was on and – you know, even if you didn't follow it, you knew half a dozen players in, in the World Cup team. I don't think I could name one player in the Wallabies right now. And like you said, their their performance, they've been knocked out of the World Cup. Would they lose a heap of games in a row? And if Eddie Jones is taking interviews, if reports are believed with, with other nations to be their coach. Japan on a Zoom call. Not, yeah. not sure why they would be wanting to poach him at the minute. They love him over there, though, because he's been there before. They they love him, but you probably mm. do that after the World Cup concluded. Yep. Uh, Nathan Bassett won't be the only change at Port Adelaide. Um, I, I wish I had any sort of certainty on this. I'm, I'm not sure. Probably, I'm going to say it's on the mark. I think they'll probably look at every position. I, I was surprised. I just had a little bit of a look at when Nathan Bassett started at the Port Adelaide Footy Club. He started in 2016. So he's been there eight seasons now, which is a long time at one club mm. for, um, for an assistant coach. So yeah, I'm not, not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, the, if they're going to revamp the place a little bit, if they're going to keep Ken Hinckley on and he's been there for a substantial period of time, uh, maybe changing some of the assistant coaches around or, or peripheral players like a, uh, you know, the development coaches, I think that's probably healthy. Keep sort of reinventing uh, that that sort of coaching team. Chris sent in the text saying, all the best for Bass. Uh, he's a great coach. Hope he finds something in the AFL system. So thanks Concur. for that, Chris. Scrap the Brownlow. The Coaches Award is the most prestigious individual award in the AFL. Um, I'm going to say that's off the mark. I don't think it's the most prestigious because I think every year the coverage that the Brownlow gets, the the... Um, the tradition and the the notoriety of the Brownlow medalist is so much more than the coaches award. I couldn't tell you who won the coaches award last year. Maybe Andrew Brayshaw, maybe. Um, 
and the year before that, not sure, but I could probably reel off all the Brownlow medalists over the last, you know, two decades. So that just shows that we, we do take credence of it. Every year we have the same debate. Can the umpires do it? Should they do it? Do they get it right? But by and large, not too many crap players win the Brownlow. <laughs> that's, that's great insight. Um, Sample grand final crowd shows that the big one should still be at Adelaide Oval. Uh, that is uh, on the mark. No doubt about that at all. It was a great spectacle. I know the, the weather helped. It was a perfect day. The Oval was turned out beautifully. I'm sure the, uh, the players will say it was pretty hot and um, it was difficult conditions, but it was just a, a great game and really well supported by two of the really um, – Two of the clubs that have really strong followings. Okay, a couple more quick ones for you. If it wasn't grand final week, we would be speaking more about Nick Dacos's tackle. Mm, off the mark. The, the extenuating circumstances. Scott Pendlebury had hold of uh, Brett Daniels' arm and Dacos didn't know that. Um, I, don't, I don't think he really drove his head into the ground. I just I just don't like the commentary around that with, with the umpiring, right? So the... The umpires' whistles went missing a fair bit. When the commentary around it is, oh, you don't miss a grand final for that. No, the umpires are better in finals time. Why can't they just be better throughout the whole season? And why, without the match review panel, why can't we just go, you don't miss a game for that as opposed to a grand final? It should be mm. consistent from round one to the grand final. Oh, exactly. And the other thing was I found interesting was around the, the, the commentary around whether Brett Daniels should have had a scat test or not. You know, I know from what I'm sort of, I could read between the lines, Adam Kingsley wasn't happy that his player was off the ground for the last five yeah. minutes uh, because the club doctor said, we need to check this out. Like, honestly believe that we've actually got to, as best we can, and I don't, I don't even imagine what it must be like, head coach, close game, prelim final, first year. But surely we, we are in this day and age saying the – the brain of the player is the most important thing. And if there's some doubt, we have to check it out. Uh, two more. Billy Frampton, AFL grand final player. It's going to happen. Off the mark. I don't think there's that certainty. He's, certainly, he's, he's a chance, but there's also a chance they might just go a little bit smaller and play a smaller forward line. There's other players that they can move around. So he's no certainty, but he, what he is, he's a chance of playing and, Collingwood will probably start favourites. He could be an AFL Premiership player after almost well being delisted pretty much by Adelaide or, or sort of being surplus to needs. You know what was funny? Um, the NHL arranged Mason Cox to do the puck drop on Sunday at Rod Laver Arena. Mm. The boo that went throughout the crowd was hilarious. <laughs> really? Like more boos than not because you've obviously got a lot of people that don't like Collingwood there. So, well, I thought he's he's. Pretty universally liked, though, isn't he, Mason Cox? But look, I'm the Collingwood not... fans chatting, USA, the MCG on Friday night. Anyway, we've got to move on. This okay, is the last sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. No, that was my fault. Um, Mark Bickley loves grand final week as it's good for the memory, it's good for the ego, and great for the pocket with all the corporate gigs he gets. <laughs> uh, that, that is off the mark. I'm not sure I'm doing anything this grand final week in terms of corporately, but I'm certainly going over to the game. I'm very privileged being... An AFL life member, you get two tickets to the grand final. Well, you've final. won two grand finals on, but that, on but the for, biggest day. But forget that. Lots of players have won two grand finals, but don't get any tickets. You were the captain. It doesn't matter. It does matter. No, it doesn't. It's more, it's, it's, I get the tickets for a, a different reason. That was because you end up playing over 300 games. That's the, that's the mark of automatic life membership. Legend status. No, automatic life membership. If you okay. hang around long enough. And so, 
like it is a privileged position, and I would be lying if I didn't if I said that when the siren blows and the euphoria kicks in, that you don't think back and say, "Wow, yeah, how privileged was I to be able to experience what those guys are experiencing." My now. uncle's friend raised your name on Friday night. We're having a few beers after the game, and said, "Mark Bickley, I love him." And I'm thinking, "Okay, why?" And you know, you think straight away. Um, maybe he listens to SENSA, <laughs> yeah. loved you as the premiership skipper for the Crows. And he said, no, no, he was sometimes funny on the Sunday footy show. Some, word for word. That's sometimes what funny. Right? <laughs> it's not bad for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it's 13-8. Sam Inman joins us next. Tire Power, big footy final sale now on. Get into your locally independently owned Tire Power today. More team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! Seven minutes to eight on SENSA Breakfast. Matt Allen, Glenelg Premiership player, we'll speak to after eight o'clock this morning. We're in studio, Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Mark Bickley, I did a sporting on this day. Uh, Michael Jordan making his debut for the Washington Wizards. You've got a real smug look on your face <laughs> at the moment. Maybe it's because you read Brett's text that said, because I'm not being a sucker, but you were actually very good on Channel 9's footy show. So there's that. What on this day do you have today? <laughs> well, I just, <clears throat> I was thinking it's probably at some stage been a grand final day, the 26th of September. And it just happened to be in 1998, the mighty Adelaide Crows were, were good enough to defeat the North Melbourne Football Club on this day and, and you didn't think that that was worthy of bringing up? Because I thought you would because you bounced into the studio this morning <laughs> saying it's the 26th of September, <laughs> number 26, and then it's the uh, on this day of the 98 flag. Sam Edmund, as we say good morning to you, this is what I deal with every day. Mark Bickley comes in and reminds us how good he is. Well, he's very good. I'm just actually looking him up here. Now, big 17th all-time Adelaide Brownlow medal career total votes. He polled 32 votes, the great man. Uh, yeah, not Walsh. many. So six best ons, though, in the in the career as well, I might add. No, and, we uh, were saying, Sam, that he looked a lot like Simon Goodwin, so that's why he got some <laughs> of the votes given to him as well. Yeah, I'm just scrolling up to see Goodyear. Yeah, he sits ninth, actually. Scott Thompson <laughs> with the man, of course. Yes. 52. Mm, yeah, anyway, what did we take out of last night? It was, uh, you know, I guess it was a great count in terms of drama and suspense. Lockie New, I guess, surprised a couple... That he, the, the fact that he got over perhaps three or four others that were a little bit more highly fancied. No, he definitely did. Uh, a two-time winner now, Lockie Neal. In fact, only the 16th multiple winner in the history of the award. And if the doors had slid a little differently, obviously last year mm. with the Tribunal and Paddy Cripps, he'd be a three-time winner, given he was pipped by a vote 12 months ago. So he went past Nick Dacos in the final round, of course. And it was, as always, though, made possible by a couple of very peculiar polling games. Now, the... The poster um, example for this is the round six GWS Brisbane game. Josh Kelly, 41 touches. Cornelio, 38. Uh, Charlie had the Harley out for seven goals that day. Brent Daniels kicked four. Now, Lockie, 20 touches, seven kicks, a handful of possessions deemed ineffective. No coaches' votes for the record, but he got the three Brownlow ones. Now, this does happen every year, doesn't it? Lockie mm. Neal is an amazing player. Nothing wrong with him winning the award. But, gee, there was last night a huge list of players who got no coaches' votes who polled Brownlow votes. And vice versa as well. So Errol Goulden, 42 touches and two goals against Melbourne in the final round. And he only got the one Brownlow vote. He got the maximum 10 from the two coaches. Yeah. Well, well, Sam, just to add to that, he had three games for the year with 40 touches, 40-plus touches, and two goals and polled one combined vote in those three games. So a little bit stiff for Errol. Just on the, the voting, how is the voting done between the umpires? 
Well, this is where it gets interesting because, as I say, there's always little anomalies that we highlight every year. That's part, I suppose, part and parcel of the Brownlow. But I reckon this year there was more than we've seen for some time. The theory I have is that we know that this year no mobile phones were used by the umpire. So after everything that's gone on with questions around the integrity of this award, this was perhaps the first time in the iPhone era, maybe, where the umps didn't quickly and sneakily, mind you, given they're not allowed to, whip out the mobile after the game for a quick look at the stats, which... They would often do so long as they felt they could all trust each other. Now, it's a bit of a myth that the umpires get given the stats, guys. They don't get mm. given any stats at all. They're, they're, they're going purely on recollection in the moment. So this has been also the first year that the emergency field umpire hasn't been there. And they would often come in and help consult the umpires in charge, given you know they've been on the bench looking at the scoreboard, the big screen, seeing the odd stat flash up from time to time which had helped for context in the past. Now, that wasn't there to fall back on this year. Tim Costello, the anti-gambling crusader, made claims earlier this year that the umpires were and had used phones in the past. Now, I've been able to confirm that it absolutely did happen, despite the AFL making uh, it very clear that electronic devices were not permitted. But you know what it's like when you watch a game and and how often you you would have done votes in the past. Because if you were going to go without any stats at all, Jeez, it'd be pretty challenging, I reckon, mm. consistently. Ah, look, I, I feel the pressure all the time, and also having been a um, a judge in the showdown medal, having to, you know, when there's a bit of gravity on the end of it as well, you, you try and make sure you do a, the best job you possibly can, and you do. You use all the tools that are available to you, including the stats. So, yeah, it's um, it is an interesting one, isn't it? And I wonder whether that maybe helps them be more informed. Who knows? I'm just not sure where we go with that. Yeah, well, I reckon when you're umming and ahhing over two players in particular, you often do go to the numbers, don't you, mm. just to try to separate them. But uh, anyway, it's all part of it, isn't it? It's not going to change. The umpires do the brownlow, and that's how it, uh, how it worked out. What I, what I would say is it does hurt the event, doesn't it, when the winner's not in the room? And it, and it hasn't happened often. I think uh, it happened, Lockie Neal won it out of the room a couple of years ago due to COVID, and Adam Goods way back in 06 when the Swans were in that year's grand final. So I, I don't know. I think another piece of ammunition perhaps for those pushing out the Brownlow in that pre-finals bye week when, you know, yes, the AFLW season starts, but there's little else going on, is there? So the Brownlow buzz, maybe even that Sunday night or, or in its usual Monday slot, but in that pre-finals bye, I reckon would fill that void nicely. And, and hey, everyone could attend, every player. Sam, we had a, a bit of a chat this morning about the North Melbourne package, which should be heading their way. We've played the audio from Chris Scott and Ross Lyon. Um, it seems to be causing a, a few stirs over in Victoria. No, landed like a bomb, uh, not just here, but across the competition yesterday. So as you touched on a couple of them there, Ross Lyon was another one. A, a lot of rival coaches furious. And in fact, their CEOs and their presidents asking for answers from the commission and the AFL they didn't necessarily receive. Yet the Kangas asked for it and they wanted more uh, for finishing bottom two in each of the past four seasons. So ultimately, you would have detailed at the end of first round pick this year, two end of first round picks next year, subject to review, mind you. And those two extra rookie spots that uh, that other clubs say we certainly shouldn't gloss over. So they're only going to let Ben Mackay go for top-tier compensation to Essendon as well. So that will give North picks 2, 3, 16 and 19 this year. At this stage, as I say, they'll have the three first-round picks next year. They used one, uh, two first-round picks last year as well. So nine in a three-year period. And what they do next will be fascinating. Do they take them all to the draft? Gold Coast pick four that's being hunted by the Dogs mm. and Adelaide. Uh, they'll be in for that. I know they've already registered their interest in Gold Coast there. And then you've got West Coast pick one that, that Melbourne could also come for. Then do they trade up for Riley Sanders? So all sorts of tools available to uh, to North Melbourne who have just got an absolute armoury of first-round picks to use over the, the next couple of years. But it certainly upset a lot of the coaches. Andrew Dillon stopped by on Sports Day last night as well. And 
and uh, you wouldn't expect him to say anything less, but said that the AFL felt that they had absolutely struck the balance between helping out uh, a battling club in North Melbourne, but also um, keeping it fair for the rest of the competition. But I dare say a few clubs could disagree with that this morning. Gee, I'm not sure how you could say keeping it fair for the rest of the competition. Anyway, Sam, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Always good speaking to our chief footy reporter, Sam Edmund. It's a big day on SENSA, the run home with Kimbo on the Roots from three, and then Sports Day SA with Blighty and Wilts. Next, we're going to turn our attention to the Sandful, not too far away, Glenelg star Matt Allen, who wins a premiership with the Bays. It was a brilliant Sunday for them at Adelaide Oval. Good morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? Two minutes past eight, we're in studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA, 22 degrees today. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning, Mark Bickley, grand final week. You're going to be heading over to Victoria this weekend? Yes, I am actually. Going to head across there and have a look, take the boys to the uh, the grand final parade and all the festivities that happen around the MCG. It's a bit like the Royal Adelaide Show over there in all the car parks. There's just all these great events that are going on, great activations, which is cool. I'm going to pick your brain about the grand final this week. I read an article from Will Schofield talking about the superstitions when it comes to the parade of who lets go of the cup first. Do you wear sunglasses and things like that? So (laughs) throughout the week, if you have any questions about grand final preparations, Mark Bickley, a two-time day, one-time night premiership player, um, let him know because I I love this kind of stuff, getting this insight out Mm. of you because on this day – in 1998, the Crows defeated North Melbourne for their second consecutive flag. You held the cup up. You only recently found your premiership Guernsey from 97 too. So it's um, it's all happening, and I'm sure a week of nostalgia for you. What texts do we have on 0427154166? One of our regulars, Josh from Aldinga Beach, says, with all the added rule interpretations and given that there are four umpires, is it possible that they're too focused on officiating the game within their zone and not actually aware of who has had an impact on the entire game? Well, I don't know. You could argue if there's four out there, there's less officiating. You know, imagine when there was one umpire out there just doing the whole thing and running around. That would have been... Well, something tough. that Sam Edmonds said, that the emergency umpire isn't involved in that decision-making process. Now, I think they would be brilliant to be involved in it because they are watching the whole game and have a bit more of a lens too, as opposed to running and thinking and blowing a whistle and making decisions and then going, oh, who played well? Mm. Yeah, not sure. I don't know. I don't think there's a perfect answer. Let's just let's just be happy that generally they get it right. And it, I don't think too many people could argue that Lockie Neal wasn't in the best half a dozen players you would have thought this year. Anyway, we'll keep moving on. They, they probably could argue, though, that Lockie Neal wasn't in the best 14 players in that game against <laughs> GWS and he ended up winning the Brownlow well, medal. Well, let's go through every, every vote and every – let's have a look at Josh Dacos and see – every three games where, where he was and Christian Petrarca, whether every game that he got three votes, was he perfect? Like, I just feel like go back when, um, let's go back to when let's pick someone out that, um, Keith Gregg won the, the medals in 73 and 74. Nobody argued because there was no coverage of the game. You literally had a half hour of the highlights called the winners. And that was pretty much it. Unless you went to every game which was impossible because they were all played at the same time. You, you just couldn't you couldn't decipher whether it was a bad decision or a great decision by the umpire. The Jason Horn Francis one, I saw John Ralph tweeting last night saying, I just watched every possession of Horn Francis getting three votes for 13 touches against Geelong, and it's a travesty. 13 touches, four ineffective, two clangers, four short kicks, one kick off the ground that went a metre, zero impact. You got mm. three votes for it. Mm. But there's been lots of occasions where a player wins the brown low and doesn't win the club's best and fairest. So, so yeah. And Lockie Neal didn't even make the All-Australian team, did he? Mm. 
So I've got a feeling that when Jimmy Bartell won the Brownlow, he didn't win his club's best and fairest. Mm. So there's 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 anomalies like that all the time that happen. On one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Good morning to you, Mark. Good morning, fellas. Now, these guys watched the uh, Collingwood and GWS game. I was a little bit, com- not confused, but when the umpire was bouncing the ball, it was leaning to the left, like an advantage for Collingwood, and the Ruckman worked it out. But what they should have done, if he can't bounce properly, just throw it up, make it an even game. Mm. It was always leaning to the left. Did you see that, Bix? I didn't actually notice that it was going the same way every time. It's one of the sort of the vagrancies of our game, isn't it? The fact that... Vagrancies? The, well, no, it's probably not the right word. I don't know what the word... You just made it up. Well, it, it's one of the... the uh, Nuances? Yeah, anomalies. You know, they it, you, you can't predict where it's going to go. If it is... If it's thrown up perfectly every time, then what you get into is you just get into Mason Cox at 211 centimetres. He's never going to be out-jumped because he, he can time his run perfectly. Uh, and, and it's like a basketball tip-off. So the fact that it does vary slightly is I think it's one of the things that makes our game a little bit unique. So anyway, thanks, Mark. Uh, let's go to Cyril on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Vagary, vagary. Yeah, yeah. Similar. We'll get to that later. It's okay. Uh, hey, Cyril, what do you got for us, mate? Oh, look, guys. This umpire's giving the votes on the Brownlow. It's been talked about for years. Now, mm. what I've read in today's paper with those decisions. That is an absolute disgrace. They should lose their ability to put the votes on the brown line. Now, that's if that's what the if that's the effort they're putting into putting the voting down, then they should have to have it taken away from them. Because that's that's disgusting. What I've read today's paper. Well, who should do it then, Cyril? Oh, look. I think the media, the coaches' votes. I would much prefer the coaches' votes or the media to some sort of credibility because just what you spoke about then with Jason Horn Francis, and there's many, many other areas in today's paper, instances of it. It's got to be, we've got to do better than that. That's, that mm. is just really bad. Well, I think the media have got awards, and you know some of the media awards were won. But I think Lockie Neal won one of the media awards. So anyway, like I don't know how qualified all the media are. Let's keep moving on. Tim is at North Haven. G'day, Tim. Oh, g'day, boys. Happy 26th anniversary, Bix. I was there, mate. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I was there. You know what? Quick, quick side story. I'm not sure whether you remember, but in the prelim the week before, we were at the Melbourne Tennis Centre waiting for you clowns to to come out onto stage for about 45 minutes, and it was thinking height, about maybe three to 4,000 people there. Um, I took it upon myself with a microphone that was switched on on the stage to entertain that crowd for probably 45 minutes, I suppose, singing <laughs> singing our club song, K-San, you pick a song, mate, we sang it while we waited for you guys to come out. And then um, then I stood there and watched you and Blighty walk on stage. So there you go, mate. Happy days. No, there you go. Hey, yeah, Brownlow. Now, you were saying earlier that, you know, it's a big a big height, the Brownlow and so forth, but they can still do that. If they give if they give the decisions of voting to the coaches, they can still have the same sort of night, the same sort of event with the same sort of hype. It's just taken away from the umpires. I think they've got enough responsibility on their shoulders getting their decisions right. Now, all of a sudden, you throw into the mix, um, you know, the uproar, especially over the border on who should have won and who didn't win and blah, blah, blah. It's just too much pressure and it's not fair on the umps. I think it should be completely removed and given to the coaches. Um, and still hype it up, but, you know, it just doesn't make sense. They're copying so much flag 
just in their day-to-day umpiring or lack of, um, and we're putting even more pressure on these guys. Well, um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, look, I, I don't know. I'm not sure we're putting more pressure on them. They've always voted. And, and, and what will happen is there'll be, there'll be three days of discussion about it. There'll be some highlighted games. Uh, the umpires will perhaps look at how they can do it better, how they can better equip them, and let's just keep moving forward. I, you, this is, there's such integrity issues around this. Can we trust the coaches' votes? Look, if, you, if you're finishing down the bottom and you've got a player who's you know close to winning the coaches' award, what, what's stopping you as the coach giving your player maximum votes? Like, I just don't know if that's – we can – you know, I, I'm, I'm not questioning the coaches that they would do that, but in, if it comes to this stage where we do give them the right to vote for Brownlow votes, it just, just doesn't sit comfortably. One of the most nervous people in Australia last night would have been our very own Kane Corns, who uh, at round 16 would have seen Tim Taranto being the top five <laughs> off the Brownlow medal. Um, look, we're going to talk to a premiership player next from the victorious Glenelg Tigers. Matt Allen joins us. Tire Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tire safety check at your local Tire Power. Montaigne Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 16 minutes past eight on SENSA Breakfast. to run home with Kimbo on the route from three this afternoon, followed by Sports Day SA. We are trying to get a hold of... Matt Allen from Glenelg, and let's be honest, because it was always going to be a risk because mm. they've got the uh, the chimney today down at the Brickworks. Would have had a fairly solid campaign, I reckon, the last couple of days. I saw videos on the Instagram of Connor McLeod, who I think was the captain of the reserves and is a premiership player. Um, they were just haven't gone to bed, mm. Mm. and they are just celebrating as they should. So. While we are trying to get through to <laughs> Matt Allen, we're talking about the Brownlow medal. Another one last night from Crow supporters where they had a bit of a chuckle was that uh, Jake Saligo got a Brownlow vote in a game he was tactically subbed out in, which was quite interesting. <laughs> um, so there, there, There's lots of text messages coming through. Um, uh, one from uh, Dracos who said, remember Josh Franco won a McGarry medal with one game sitting on the bench for half the game, three votes. So look, it's been going around. I'm really interested to listen or hear from Malcolm Blight tonight because he played in that era where every game wasn't telecast. Literally, you'd listen to the radio or you would uh, go to your game. Mm. You wouldn't see any of the other players. Potentially, you would see the opposition play once or maybe twice a year when your team played against them if you went to every game. So you had to rely. You just took it for granted that what the umpire said and the Brownlow medalist was the best player. Rocco says the umpires are better in finals because they only need eight umpires. Last week, they only need the best. And Josh from Aldinga Beach says, I hope Bix defends the Brecky Brownlow this hard. <laughs> peanuts voting for the Brecky Brownlow. Come on, give me a spill. Joe on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Good morning. Thank you for your call. What do you got for us, mate? Morning, boys. I'm just wondering, I don't want to bring it up again, but Horn Francis, every time he got booed, every touch, maybe that alerted the umpires that he was actually getting the ball. Maybe. Because every time he went near it, he was booed, so then they thought he must have been playing well. <laughs> yeah, well, there's one. That's from left field. Maybe maybe that's it. That goes along with the, the Miles Bergman lookalike. Maybe they thought there was only one player out there, but it was actually Jason Horn Francis and, and Miles Bergman both getting a bit of footy. What he did show was that he will poll. And for oh. a player in his second season, 16, just like Nick Dacos, mm. um, there, there could be 
Wasn't it reported earlier this year that an anonymous source at Port Adelaide said, multiple Brownlows, Jason Horn Francis, but no one ever associated their name to that quote. It just said an anonymous source from um, inside the Port Adelaide Football Club. It was quite funny to hear Nick Dacos talk last night. He had a chat at the conclusion of his playing uh, because he couldn't poll in the remaining few games for Collingwood. And he spoke about um, his upbringing, living alongside the Macedonian Marvel. Your mum, Colleen, used to beg you not to kick the footy in the hallways. And then when you didn't listen, she would ask your father to sort it out. What did he say? He said, that's our future beach house right there. So, um, yeah, let the kids go. Good luck on the weekend. It's been a pleasure to watch you play and talk with you through the year. It's very good. Uh, Bix, this, you need to stand up for me. Okay, if you're looking on the app at the moment for Studio Lumo, someone just walked past and they've recognised Mark Bickley. Stand up and pose for the photo oh, no. for them. No, just put your headphones down. I can talk. Put your headphones down. There is a woman there with um, what looks like her daughter who's wearing the uh, magpie repellent things in the top of her helmet and Bix is currently posing for a photo in Studio Lumo while we are live on radio. This is absolutely outstanding. Jace is running out to have a chat to this person as well. We'll bring him in for a photo as well. You know what we do? Let's get him in for a photo. We'll be back after this on SENSA. It's grand final week. Tyre Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local Tyre Power. Montaigne Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 25 minutes past eight on SENSA Breakfast. Uh, apologies for just a bit of a rush a few minutes ago. We were talking about your text messages. We were talking about... All of your contributions, including our Twitter poll, Mark Bickley. Do you want to quickly read out the results to our uh, Twitter poll? Yeah, so the, the question this morning was, you and I were having a, uh, a disagreement. You love the drama around the last vote of the night ends up winning. The, yeah, it's theatre and entertainment. Yeah, whereas I was sort of saying, I feel, felt sorry for the way they set up Marcus Bontempelli just to be sort of, for the sake of a bit of sort of theatre, they, they used him as the full guy. I would prefer if they just read out the votes th- in the order the games were played. So just on that too, we, we had a text from Ian. I didn't see this moment, but apparently um, Rebecca Madden was interviewing the Bont and said he was stiff to not win the award two years ago while Ollie Wines was sitting no, no, in the room I, at the same I, time. What she meant was he, he was, was unlucky. Beat, he was beaten on the yeah, last yeah, vote yeah. of the night, which is that's unlucky not to win it back then. Uh, I don't think she was being disrespectful to uh, Ollie Wines, but exactly the same thing happened again. So twice. Yeah, he's been pipped in the the last little moment, um, but it's been split right down the middle pretty much. The first uh, option was yes, stop stage managing the Brownlow. That was forty eight percent, and then the second option was no, build the drama. That was fifty two percent. Oh, so it's not split right down the middle. What it's saying is that two more percent agree with me. Well, is that what you're saying? I would think. <laughs> The margin of error is about 2% in these polls. Well, I haven't voted yet, so I'm <laughs> also going to vote. So the, the awkward moment that we just had, because we want to share everything with everyone. If you were watching on the camera in Studio Lumo um, on the app, uh, you would have heard and seen that we had two people. Um, there was a woman and what looked like her daughter on rollerblades with a, a helmet on and pipe cleaners trying to get one of the magpies. Um <laughs> And I thought they were there to have a photo with Mark Bickley and Bix just took his head, headphones off and put a thumbs up. Well, you, you said go and uh, have Yeah, because I think we need to be mm. uh, people of the people. And then uh, Jace, our producer, ran 
to uh, the door, which he shouldn't be doing at the moment. He should be taking care of yeah. himself. Invited them in for a photo. And then I've asked the question, oh, so did you recognise um, Mark Bickley? And what did they say? I said, no, no, no. My, we're over from Sydney and uh, the person they're visiting over here is involved in community radio. <laughs> so, Hello, darkness, my old they, they had no idea what was going on. All they saw was a couple of randoms. They thought Simon Goodwin and Peter Garrett were doing a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got them in to have a photo. But they're going to the zoo today. They've had a good day. So Zara's having her 12th birthday today. They don't realise the significance of the person they've just met in Mark Bickley. No. On this day... The Crows won the 1998 flag. So it's been a good show today. So tomorrow I want to get a bit of insight into the lead-up to a grand final. Um, I think tomorrow and Thursday we really need to drill down with Mm. me almost interviewing you about preparation for a grand final, the parade, being an interstate team, what the Brisbane players would be going through Mm -hmm. because that insight is something you can only experience if you get to play in one of those grand finals. And I actually think this is flying in the face of what a lot of people may expect, but being... Outside of your home state is a huge advantage in the lead-up to the grand final. Yes, and Brisbane have a brilliant record. I think over the past six games against Collingwood, they've won the last six, but all of those games at Marvel and the Gabba, so none at the G. And, yeah, not such a brilliant record having lost 11 of their last 12 games at the MCG. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We have so many big-name guests coming up over the next few days as well. Um, Tomorrow... Collingwood Premiership player Luke Ball will be joining us Great. and also Adrian Fletcher who has a, a brilliant football career in his story and Quick Bix too. Cannot wait. Have a great day. 22 degrees today. Thanks for listening. If you missed any of our chats, we're still trying to get a hold of Matt Allen but he's asleep or at the pub <laughs> or something. Um, listen to the podcast. No we'll catch you tomorrow.